You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Everyone's favorite time of the year is right around the corner. It's college football season. And of course, to celebrate, DraftKings Sportsbook, that's America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly if you bet $1 or more on any college football game. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now. You heard it right, ladies and gentlemen. DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more on any college football game, no matter what. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable. And coming from a dad, that's what matters to me the most. It's located here in the United States, so you know it's homegrown. It's easy to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Sticks and Gas podcast coming at you thanks to Great Western Brewing, brewed locally in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, using barley from Saskatchewan. Now, how good are those new Brewhouse Ultras? Not bad in the carbs department for those of us whose metabolisms slow down. 4% alcohol. What does it say here? 100 calories yeah, and 4 grams of carbs. I'm having one right now. So thanks to Great Western Brewing and pick up uh, the new Brewhouse Ultras. 22 fresh, unreal gear from workout combos to hats to golf gear to slides, anything. Shop them online anytime, 22fresh.com, another great local Saskatchewan company. How about Elk Ridge Resort in northern Saskatchewan? 36 holes of golf, cabins, lodges. Oh, that lodge is nice. The townhouses for big groups. Minutes away from Waskasoo and Prince Albert National Park. ElkRidgeResort.com. And fall golf is uh, coming up here, so it's going to be really nice up there with the colors changing. And why don't you go buy some uh, new Callaways from our favorite Callaway rep, Kyle Duffin. Saskatchewan boy, loves the pod. Shout out to uh, Duff. And uh, support Callaway and Odyssey when you can. And you pick them up at uh, all the local shops, right? Like Kevin Marishak at Silverwood in Saskatoon. And even you know, Darcy Myers at PA and Cook. Beautiful golf courses. Played Cook and Silverwood this year. Cook is in unbelievable shape. So thanks to all those sponsors and getting the Sticks and Gas podcast off the ground. Well, May of 1996 was a beauty time to be alive. One headlight by the Wallflowers, Until It Sleeps by Metallica, and Swallowed by Bush. We're all jostling for top song on the rock charts. I was probably pumping it in my MR2. 
Motion Picture Twister was set to take the box office by storm. There's a cheesy pun for you right there. The Dodge Stealth was the hot new sports car on the scene. I'll take uh, the MR2 any day of the week. And the city of Melfort, Saskatchewan was getting ready to host the Royal Bank Cup. It would be the inaugural RBC Cup as a title, taking over from the Centennial Cup. Five teams from across the country descended on Melfort for the tournament. The New Market 87s from Ontario, the Moncton Beavers from the Maritime League, the Vernon Vipers of the BCJ, the Yorkton Terriers of the SJHL, and of course, the host, Melfort Mustangs. The reason I thought this was such an interesting story to throw out there in podcast land was because the Mustangs were good, like really good and tough. They did lose 14 games that year, but but a lot of those were because they seemed bored, knowing at the end of the year they would be in the big dance. They built an SJHL team anyone from this area remembers really well. It was a calculated build, obviously, but they did get lucky with a few pieces landing right on their laps. We will start with head coach and GM of the Mustangs that year, Kevin Dickey. I posed the question to Dix of how much time did they have to build this wagon? I think we would have been uh, probably, I would have been about two and a half years out because that was one of the things and well, some of the guys were and some of them weren't were a, were a part of the process. It wasn't just that team that year. There was a there was a good buildup to that team. I mean, we acquired some players along the way, but there was a really good base of guys that uh, that kind of you know started to win together. So I, I think it was two and a half years out that we uh, we received the, the Royal Bank Cup. Longtime Melfort resident and current head coach and general manager of the Mustangs, Trevor Blevins, was the only true local on that 95-96 squad. Although for many around the team, they knew what the gritty 18-year-old was going to bring to the team, but Blevins remembers not being too sure that he definitely had a roster spot. Well, the problem was I was an 18-year-old rookie still trying to make the team. So it was nothing was a guarantee back then, never is today. But uh, that was a pretty big announcement for the community. It was huge. And uh, Dale Fryer, Randy Sorensen, and all the volunteers, you know, those two guys headed it up, A. Dix, and did a great job. And uh, yeah, it was huge. It was just phenomenal volunteerism. I mean, we were just playing. Uh, Dix would have a better, you know, view of what happened behind the scenes, probably, and how things went. But, uh, you know, it was uh, great for the community and they did a good job. You talked about, you know, the build and you had two years to kind of, you know, do it. And you, and you see it with WHL teams when they reward, uh, award the team a Memorial Cup. You know, they just don't, you can't be in a rebuild year. You got to have a, a good team and whatnot. So is that kind of the same thing here, Kev, where they looked and they said, okay, well, you guys need to be competitive this year. You're, you're going to have to add pieces to, to have a strong team to host this. Well, it was a big part of our bid for sure. I think that, you know, I think that we were starting to establish that we had a good program in Melfort. So I don't think it was taking anybody by surprise, but, uh, you know, that we would be good. But, uh, you know, I look back to even, you know, losing the year before, and there are some guys that, that you know, Sheldon Mosier and uh, Barkley Svensson and, um, you know, Jan Steppen, and they were guys that played an integral role, you know, as sort of top line guys. And, and, um, you know, we learned how to win and uh, yeah, we just, we just, yeah, it was, it was a, definitely a part of a process, but the fact that we had a good program definitely helped us get the RBC. As an outsider looking in, 
you look at this the roster of that team, and you had guys from all over, like you know from the states, you know Europeans. Who was who was the integral part in, in finding some of these finding some of these guys to come in that year? Well, you know what? It's something we've talked about a little bit. We we really had a blueprint of what we were looking for. Like we it, it wasn't it wasn't by happenstance. You know, you take a look at the guys that are on this call here right now. I mean, you know, traded for Barks. I mean, Bluff's jokes about, you know, we knew Bluff's was going to make the team when he was 16, 17. He maybe didn't know it, but uh, you needed those types of guys. I mean, Stevie was a big, big, you know, fine for us, you know. Andy we traded for but he was still on our protected list and uh, you know but you take a look I mean we moved a guy like Terry Cardinal that went on to lead the league in scoring and and we knew that we could you know it would be great to have Terry as a part of our team but but we we maybe needed something else so it was a little bit of putting a puzzle together without being cliche and there were a lot of people that were integral on that I mean Leonard Strandberg deserves a ton of credit for everything that's happened in Melfort with that team you know, but we had, a, you know, a good group of scouts, just like Stevie's doing there with the Mustangs right now. And, uh, you know, I think that there was a pretty good network across Western Canada that were going to kind of help us build that team, quite frankly. Yeah, you heard Dix mention Stevie already twice. Captain of the team was Travis Stevenson from Shaunavan, Saskatchewan. Stevenson spent the previous four seasons in the WHL, and he said it was a unique summer meeting that got him thinking about Melfort for his last year of junior hockey. Kevin came home to Shaunavan or down to Shaunavan and bought me a 7-Up at JB's Restaurant. <laughs> hey, are, are you interested in playing now for you know we're hosting the rbc and and i kind of thought about it and honestly straight up never been to melford I was 20 years old never been to melford went on a what where did we it was a bear hunting trip drove through melford seen the new rank called him up a few days later and said yeah let's go Regina's Colin anderson was one of the second year guys going back to melford for that special season yeah, I just remember there was we had a really good group from the year before. There was a ton of us that all came in kind of as rookies together with Sauter and uh, Homestall and a bunch of us. So going into that second year, it was it was very familiar. We had our core group, and then we added guys like Stevie and Duda and the 26-year-old Russian Valerie Romilov. Um, <laughs> so it was it was exciting. Obviously, the whole town was a buzz all year that we were hosting. So uh, it was great. Barkley Sauter from Carlisle, Saskatchewan, was another guy hitting the City of Northern Lights for year two. He points out that he had a hand in his fate a couple seasons before. So I was in Weyburn as a 16-year-old, and we had just went to the Centennial Cup uh, that year. And uh, I found out that Melfer was getting the RBC or whatever. And I phoned uh, Dwight and said, Trade me right fucking now. <laughs> and so Dick's traded for me that year. And then we went into, uh, went into Melford, like, uh, like Andy's saying with Homer and Andy and a bunch of guys kind of all the same age lofty. We had a good group of young guys and yeah, we just, everybody really connected and we bonded there in Melford and then Stevie came in and, you know, we had some good veterans like Blevs and Stevie and those guys and kind of just, all came together. Uh, Kevin, what do you, you kind of joked about it there, but uh, you know, it's one thing that jumped out at me. How did you guys land Valerie Ermolov, uh, Belarus guy, you know, one year in the Quebec major junior league, and then he's playing in, 
in Melfort. I think he actually played 42 games, uh, had a good run. How did you land that guy? <laughs> he aged out of the Quebec League. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, no, we, I, I, I knew his agent, and um, yeah, it just, it just happened. It was just happened. You're right, but Blebs goes through this stuff right now. You're in the right place at the right time. Scott Fankhauser. We had a team, and in fact, maybe, I'm not sure if any of you guys were down there, but I took a team from the SJHL down to Boston every year. And I was in an arena with the Maine, uh, University of Maine hockey coach, and we're talking, and they had three goalies. We're looking for one. And by the end of the day, the process got started to get Scott Fankhauser up here. You know, so you think about, and then you think about a, a Hobie Baker award nominee and Joel Lang you know, being our backup goalie, like it was just crazy, you know, just, and, and again, it was a group of guys that, you know, and the part that we take pride in, I mean, sometimes you hear about guys being hired guns and, you know, bringing them in and guys are getting paid, whatever. I mean, really the guys that are on this call, they all, you know, guys at a certain age were getting the same amount of money, you know, to, to be a part of the team. It was just, it was just a good, a good vibe and a good feeling. The other thing I'll say too, I've never been around a group of guys and maybe these guys feel the same way where, you know, guys could have played a different role on a different team. They could have been frontline guys and, you know, everybody just kind of fit into whatever slot they fit into. And there was never any dissension or any of that stuff. It was, uh, it was a guy, guys pulling on the same rope to get in the same place for sure. That because that was another question I was going to add. Going back to Frankhauser, like when you look at that team and then you you go through the deep, it's like okay, he played NCAA, then went back and played junior A, and then went back. I've never heard of that in my life. Frankie yeah. did a lot of things you'd never hear about. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that's a whole not, whole another Zoom call. Yeah, we we had to bring him in so he could mature. <laughs> Thank. There were a lot of a lot of key guys on that team, no doubt about it. But twenty-year-old Jason Duda plays sixty-three games, scores sixty goals, eighty-one assists for one hundred and forty-one points. Dix, how did you land Duda? We you, we had a had a had a feeling from the Blades that he wasn't going to play as a twenty-year-old. Um, I think dudes, the way that I remember it is I think he would have been picked up in the Western Hockey League and I think that he had a couple of teams reach out to him and he just made a commitment that he I think that he wanted to go somewhere and win and have a chance to win and kind of be the you know not the big fish in the small pond but I mean he was pretty sure he could score at our level and um, yeah, he definitely did that. Yeah, a lot of guys with WHL experience, like obviously Travis, you're you're on the call here. You came from the dub. But you guys also had Ryan Dick uh, Duda, of course, who we just talked about, and Chad Kalmakoff, WHL experience. Is there one guy on that team that was maybe like a glue guy or a guy that maybe didn't have all the stats, but you know deserved more credit than what he got back then? I, I go back to Curtis Dole, his first year, not not the year of the Royal Bank Cup, but the year before. He yeah, basically really had to fight three yeah. times in the rookie game against Humboldt to make the team, and then by his second year was Defensive Player of the Year in the whole league. I mean, he, I remember playing with the Pac Canadians, he was on the Blazers and it was just chip it off the wall and, and Dole can't skate. And next thing you know, two years later, he's uh, up for defensive player of the year. So he'd be a guy for sure. Same with Willie, right? Like the first year Willie came healthy scratch, really just trying to find his way, you know, and then his, uh, obviously his uh, talents progressed quickly in the next two years. Yeah. Yeah, let's go down that rabbit hole with Willie Mitchell, uh, born in Port 
McNeil, BC. Obviously, resume speaks for itself. Stanley Cup. NHL stints in New Jersey, Minnesota, Dallas, Vancouver, Los Angeles, and in Florida. How, again, to you, Kevin, how did you guys land Willie Mitchell to come over to Melfort, Saskatchewan? He was at, he was in Kelowna, and Kelowna ended up, and again, Barney, you can help me with this one, but it may have been as they were phasing out of Tier 2 and maybe getting the Kelowna Rockets in there. I think that program became, you know, defunct or whatever you call it. And and his rights got picked up. And Brent Parker was actually the GM or the the owner of the Kelowna team at that time. And, you know, we just got the ball rolling. And, uh, you know, we were we had to acquire his rights. And, uh, yeah, it worked out well, worked out great for us, for sure. And, you know, again, I think a really good story in this whole thing is, it worked out well for Willie too. You know, I think that it was a big part of getting him to where he wanted to get to. But for a lot of our guys, I mean, there are a lot of these guys went on to play at, at higher levels and, and, a, and a lot more of them could have. But I think that year, if I'm not mistaken, and it's not just about D1 hockey, but I think we had 14 Div 1 scholarships, either guys that took them that year or deferred for a for another year. So, you know, again, Willie's just, a, he's, he's kind of the poster child of who went on but we had a lot of guys that really did well life and their their hockey careers this might be a tough question to answer for whoever wants to jump in but who are the guys that you remember that you you almost got or you didn't get or you know you guys might have heard buddies saying hey can you guys make something happen for me here i want to come want to come join do you guys remember anybody that uh that was close to coming on board that never happened i think jeff business was pretty close Dix, you might remember, but he, I ended up playing for four years with him in college and his team beat us in, in the Royal Bank Cup final. But uh, he always talks about he, how he was really trying to get to Melfort um, instead of going back to Vernon for another year. But um, the only other guy I remember you calling me about Dix was uh, Koontz. Yeah. James Koontz. I think James you were going to be looking at making a trade for him at one point as well. Yeah. Yeah, we had, we had a lot of stuff going on. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. The other guy too, and you guys will remember at least some of you will. But you know, Andy's buddy Jason Hodel was a guy that was with us the year before, and it was really tough to lose Hody that year. And um, you know, but again, it was kind of funny. It was plug and play. You know, he laughed, and <laughs> we really didn't lose a beat, to be honest with you. So that's a good question. I'm sure there were a lot of guys that wanted to play for us, and a lot of guys that we would have liked to have had. So. I know a couple of those names. That's a good point. It was funny though. Like we were talking about like Dole and Willie and those guys, but like every guy we added just kind of fit in so well and the role that they played like Kuiper and, you know, Derek Stone and these guys, they all just, everything just kind of fell into place. Like here's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven D man with Ridzy. And then here's your, you know, 12 forwards. And like a guy like Greg Cowie that doesn't get a lot of credit, but he must have taken 90% of our face-offs in our playoff run, right? We just, I don't know if he even played a full shift. He just go take a face-off and then come right back to the bench. It had to have been in that dressing room. And, and you know, Travis, you're a guy that, you, you know, you knew you weren't going anywhere and whatnot. But getting up to that deadline day, like there must have been some nervous guys. Yeah, there was, there was a little bit of tension maybe. But you know what? I don't know... I don't know if anybody really was like pins and needles about it. It was, it was a good room. Like everybody, it didn't matter the guy beside you across from you, the guy behind in the pole, like studsy there. It was good. It was good. Everybody, everybody got along and, uh, 
you know, I don't know if there's any real arguments throughout the year, maybe a couple battles on ice during practice and that's about it. It's, it was good hockey. I, I remember, and uh, I'm sure you all are going to have a story somewhere around this, but I remember going to a game that year. Um, that was my first year playing junior. I actually played Vernon, my first ever junior game in Vernon, you know, Cheeseman, Sissons, Dodging Hort. Like I was, I remember going to a game with your dad, Trevor, and you guys had a, a brawl. I think it was against Yorkton. And, uh, like, you guys were tough. And you look at that team, you know, that, like, how tough was that team? And, Trevor, as a guy that's now, you know, building teams and, and coaching and, and stuff like that, um, you know, that, that have been one of the toughest and skilled teams that you've ever seen in, in the SJ. I actually remember that game as Kindersley we were playing because oh, yeah, yeah. uh, Mike Rooney was on the other side of the bench. And he coached me in uh, junior B. So what happened was uh, our young defenseman, Hawker, you guys remember, got jumped and got beat up. And then uh, so we, the next stop, it's Hartnell, Sauter, Blevins, Stevenson, Mitchell. And the only problem with that is there's we're three right wingers. <laughs> so, so then uh, – Dix calls us over. He says, there better be five sets of gloves hit the ice. And uh, so there, we're going into the draw, and, and Sudzy uh, says to me, well, who do you want? You're the smallest. I said, well, let me pick first. Like, I go and grab my guy. And so I remember Sadi took the draw, and uh, your stick never, never even touched the ice. The star just went right into the guy's face. <laughs> then Hartsy slashes and then Stevie and Mitchell run through and everybody paired off. And I think we, uh, we won every single fight that night, but, uh, and, in that, in that sequence, but it was, um, it's a different now, obviously you can't do that kind of stuff, but I mean, back then it was just crazy tough. Like there was, you know, we play St. James, we beat them two nothing at home. I remember. And, we go out again for the last minute and we don't even touch the puck. We just run them. So we know that, you know, we're coming, we're coming for our next game back at home and their rink. And, you know, it, there is still some of that gamesmanship today, but I mean, it's uh, it definitely not like it was and what you could do, but you know, it was just a crazy tough team that we had everyone's respect when we walked in the rink. That's for sure. The only difference, Levin, so I'm going to add is I was in the middle of the bench. I knew I wasn't going on the ice. But, um, I, I just remember Dix, his exact words were, the puck doesn't touch the fucking ice. Yeah. Okay, so, and, uh, yeah, we had a – it was fun. It was fun to have that many tough guys because then I could stay oh. on the bench. What do you remember about it, Travis? Well, that – you know what? I, that actually is a memory I've forgotten. But, I, I uh, yeah, it's it comes back to me now. Um our, our compete level was actually insane. It was all year. Like, it didn't matter if it was Yorkton or Notre Dame, wherever we went. And Dix pushed us. Like, it was, uh, it was excellence, and that's what, it, that's what he expected of us. It was, uh, from, for me, from playing four years junior before that, I hadn't had a coach that kind of – you could have that respect from him because – he didn't know necessarily call you out, but he let you know, like, no, that's not good enough. You you need to be better, right? And uh, he was like that with all of us, and that's why we competed so hard, and that's why we did we we did so well. Barkley, well, you had uh, two hundred and ninety five penalty minutes. Uh, a lot of trips. 
it's a lot of trip. Yeah, for me, it was fun. It was fun that we were, you know, intimidating and our team was tough and guys stuck up for each other. And yeah, I don't, uh, I don't remember ever playing on a team with that much depth, like skill wise and toughness for sure. And, you know, we just keep it, we kept adding too. like when, uh, when Devo came, I was like, holy, you know, this guy can play and he is just beating the shit out of anyone that decided to drop the gloves with them. And, you know, that was kind of our identity, I would say, you know, we, uh, we were definitely not going to back down and you weren't going to push us around. And, uh, you know, we had uh, top end talent as well. I remember one game specifically in Melville, I think we lost like, well, seven, two or something. And they were one of the weaker teams in the league. And, you know, same thing, Blaz. I don't know if you remember at the end of that game, there was a bunch of fights and, you know, we basically were just letting them know, like, don't ever beat us again that bad. That was embarrassing, you know? So we had that, we had that edge on a lot of the teams, I think. And it definitely helped us go on the, you know, have that year, pretty special year. Now, when you look at the stats from that year, it's actually quite surprising for me. You guys lost 14 games. Yorkton only lost 11. They, uh, led the season with 100 points, and you guys had 94. Nor- and it looks like the battle for North Stars only had 17 losses, 44 wins. They weren't bad as well. What, what other teams in the league? Obviously, Yorkton was probably, you know, the-, the biggest test for you guys. But what other teams do you remember in the league that year that maybe weren't backing down to the mighty Melfort Mustangs who were hosting the RBC Cup? Didn't we have a little bit of a brawl up in Flintlawn? Yeah, that was that was uh, yeah. yeah. A couple, couple, couple of things happened with them. Yeah, we always had great games against Nippon, obviously being such a close rival. <laughs> and they had some guys that could play, and that were you know, you go into that rink in Nippon, and it's uh, they always had guys that uh, were tough and wanted to uh, give their fans a good show. But yeah. I remember Estevan and Yorkton down in the south and probably Nippawin in the in the north, really, right? I think Estevan had a pretty decent team that year and they played Yorkton tough right up to the end in their final in the south. But yeah, Yorkton Yorkton was probably the team. I'd just say Yorkton. Yorkton was tough. They had they could they could send two lines out too, and then, but then they still had skill. Um we played them in the SJHL championship. I thought they were good. They were tough. You coached a lot in the in, in the Western League, obviously, too, Dix. When when you look at this team, and, and this, you know, was something that I always thought in those years after that, how good they were. You know, w- would this team have given some some WHL teams uh, a run? Maybe the, you know the bottom dub teams. Just how tough and skilled you guys were from you know three lines deep, four lines deep. <laughs> watch what I say a little bit, but I think so, you know, like again, having, having coached in the Washington league and, you know, again, it's just, it's just different. I mean, we had, you know, we had cup magic in a bottle. Like, I mean, we just had the perfect group of guys. I thought Stevie captured it pretty well a few minutes ago. Like we competed like crazy, like it was off the charts and, and, um, I think that would have allowed it on, on its own. But then you take a look at the guys that, you know, that went on to, to play hockey and, and the guys that could have went on to play hockey. So I, I sure think so. I mean, Stevie, you played and, and, you know, you guys played in the Western hockey league. I think that particular team would have been able to definitely hold its own for sure. I think we would have been able to, to win a lot of hockey games. 
Yeah, during that season, I remember, I don't know, maybe it was even you, Sudsy, a couple, couple of people had asked me that same, that same question. And uh, you know what? Yeah, we can, we can compete in the middle of that pack quite easily, quite easily. You know, the, the, the big heavy teams like Kamloops, yeah, okay, right? But uh, yeah, we, could, we can compete with the middle of the WHL easily. You got to remember, too, we had like basically two NHL goalies on our team. And you can compete with anyone if you got those guys back there, right? And our decor was big and fast and skilled. So there's no doubt, like Dick said, I think there would be, we would win a lot of games. You talk, kind of talked about it at the at the beginning, but Blaz, maybe maybe to you, as the season went on and the hype, you know, around that that small community and the and the area of Melfort, um, you know, people had to have been so excited to just watch this team all year and then knowing that that you guys are hosting this thing as the year goes on and those cold winter nights. Yeah, it was uh, it was a big buzz for sure. And uh, you know, for us as a group it was it was huge. We were we were doing everything to prepare and, and Dix was great, you know, preparing us for it and it's, that's what I fully remember is just how prepared we were every day. And not only just for, um, you know, for, for the hype about it, but at, at Dix, I remember he did a great job just keeping us level too and making sure, yeah, we were good, but we weren't cocky. We were, we were just confident. And you kept us level and prepared us, you know, for those moments. And, you know, we were successful, you know, because of that. And, uh, you know, the, and the town, like, like I said before, just bought in and um, really did a great job with all the volunteers. I, there's a volunteer for everything, just, you know, carting players back and forth from the rink, the different events. And, you know, each team had their own chaperone and, you know, what it would take to put on an event like that. It's phenomenal and huge. And I think it was one of the most successful roll bank cups ever. If, I mean, I could be biased, but it, it definitely was pretty much sold out every game. You know, even the afternoon games, it was, playing in front of a packed barn and it was it was great and as a player to experience that you know it was it was awesome you know i think the big thing and in, in terms of being prepared and all that other stuff like i look at you know you know so bluff's out a role on the team let's say and just with the guys that are on this call but i look at at andy and barks and you know barks came and played for me at acadia and and uh so you know i and andy went on to play at minnesota duluth i mean those guys were guys that have been if they were with a different team and not behind the Dudas and the Ermolovs, they would have been top line scoring guys. And I mean, they put up good numbers. You can see that, but did not cause ever. I can't think of maybe more than one time where anybody ever got pissed off about ice time or complaining, you know, or any of that stuff. And if, if that would have ever went south, I don't think we would have had that same sort of vibe on our team. And, uh, you know, the other thing too, just before you go off it, that's, you know, I, I've been pretty, pretty fortunate. I mean, we've, you know, Cindy and I have moved about 13 times and that particular year in Melford, all five years I was in Melford was unreal, but that particular year was like living a dream. It was every day you knew what was at the end of the end of the light and uh, it was a really fun, fun year for sure. You guys go into the playoffs first round. Well, I guess the quarterfinal first round for you guys, you defeat Humboldt four games to none. In the semifinals, you defeat Battleford and the North Stars four games to one, and then you defeat Yorkton in the SJHL final four games to one. So you only lose two games in the SJHL playoffs. How does the Anavit Cup go? Who do you guys play in in that from Manitoba? 
Jeez, I'm trying to think. It was St. James, I remember, yeah, wasn't it? Winnipeg St. James team. Yeah. 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 yeah, it was. All I remember is the beer stop on the way home after we swept them. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I thought you were going to say something else, babe. No. Okay. <laughs> so they didn't they didn't pose much of a challenge because that's one of the things i was going to ask is how did that series go obviously you guys swept them um you know they, were they uh in over their skis a bit i don't remember one thing about that series except for what <laughs> i was talking about afterwards but... <laughs> <laughs> we had a nice break going into the Roban cup but now <laughs> some of the stories from the road yeah we'll just uh, leave those on the old cutting room floor but i wanted to get to that like the gap in between the anavit cup and when you win that and then the start of the royal bank cup how did you deal with that as a coach dix i i don't really remember specifically i do remember we had a a, a great break i know that the guys took advantage of it for sure for a couple of days like like they deserve to and uh you know, and, and, I, and I don't specifically know how we sort of phased into to getting ready, but, you know, we, we came out of the gates. I mean, we we really played well in the Royal Bank Cup, and that, that was the tough part. I mean, for us to have played as well as we played all year, and I know you'll eventually get to it, but, uh, you know, to lose that final game 2-0 is something that uh, I don't even joke about. I mean, it, it bothers me that badly still today, and I know I'm speaking for these guys too. It, it was it was really devastating for us because because you, you just literally could not have been as great as you were to have not maybe played your best game in that final game. And uh, they were good. They made some adjustments. They took us by surprise how they completely changed their game plan. And, you know, I even look back thinking, you know, I could have adjusted better, but it really took us off guard and it was a tough loss. Now, if I remember correctly, starting goaltender Scott Frankhauser, he gets hurt. Now, does, does he get hurt in the playoffs or the Anavik Cup? Or was it in the Royal Bank Cup that he got hurt? Game, game one, yes. wasn't it? Game two. Yeah. Against game your one. One? Game one. Yeah. 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 First game. Come out to play a puck, and uh, I forget who it was from Yorkton. Russell. Russell. <laughs> I won't forget it. Never. Yeah. He came out to play a puck, and Rusneck ran him. And yeah. And hammered him, knocked him out of the tournament. Charlie Horse, wasn't it? Or Bone Bruise or something? In yeah. His- yeah. They didn't know we had Langer though on the bench. Oh, and that's right. We we were deep enough, and then we also had uh, oh Alfie, Alfie, Alfie. 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 So it, it was. Uh, I don't want to say irrelevant. It was a it was a blow, but at the same time, whether Langer was playing or Fanky, it didn't matter. And I, I recruited I, I recruited Lee Rusnick to the University of Regina the following year. So we had a little water under the bridge we had to clear up before that became official. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that first game in the Royal Bank Cup against Yorkton, you guys beat them 7-1. Then your second game, you beat the Moncton Beavers 5-rip. Then you go up against the Vernon Vipers and you handle them quite easily 5-1. to one. You're into the semifinals. You're the top team going into the semifinals, any overconfidence? Are you guys like, well, you know, not really getting any competition here either or, or none of that in the room? I don't, I don't think that was the attitude at all, actually. Yeah, no. I don't think we had that. We, we knew Vernon, uh, Dix was good at video. So he uh, <laughs> he uh, he had lots of video on him and, and we watched a little bit and we knew they were, they were strong, like, there, there was no taking taking them lightly, 
And, uh, you know, I think back to that final game, Duda hits four or five posts and a crossbar. And it's just, it's, it's a sequence of events that puck luck, right? Like he never misses those shots and ding post, ding post, crossbar, right? So. I remember Bo Rodell. I'll never forget that goaltender's name. I don't know where he ever ended up, but. I don't know what the shots were in that final, but it might have been two to one. Yeah, it was like forty to twenty or something like yeah. that. Yeah, we were all over them. It was literally they just hang back in their own zone and wait for us to come in and block, protect the middle. It was just, and they took advantage of. Uh, I remember the first goal was a power play. They scored a power play goal, make it one nothing, and then someone take over here because I can't remember the two, the second goal. But I was standing right beside Langer, and it just literally crossed the line in like slow motion. I was trying to get to it. Langer couldn't find it. It was behind him. And I just remember that so clearly. <laughs> I remember hitting Riddell in the head. He was down and out and I was wide open in front of the net on the power play and freaking somehow his big freaking cranium came flying out of nowhere, hit him square in the head. And it was just like, God, one of those days that uh, wasn't the way it was supposed to go for sure. And, and to this day, it's not the way it should have gone. We were, I will, I argue about it with Sissons to this day, but we were the better team and he doesn't even put up a fight. He knows <laughs> we, were, we were, we were good. We were too good for too long to lose that game, but that's, that's hockey. You got as, as hockey guys, you guys must watch other games where this happens. It happens a lot in international play, you know, where it's a one game showdown and one team is just way better and they're hitting posts, and they're out shooting them two to one, and then the other team wins. You must watch those games and go, that that's what happened to us. That was it. What is it? What has it been? Twenty four years now, five years. What is it? Yeah, twenty five. <laughs> yeah. And how many World Juniors have we watched over the last twenty five? Where it's like, oh, we got this. We got this, right? No, no. It's a one game, one game shot, right? I remember watching the replay of that game because they had, I think TSN or somebody aired it. And even watching the game, I was like, oh, here's where we're coming back. Like, you just feel like we were going to win it right to the very end, you know, like 30 seconds left in the game. I'm thinking on the bench, like, oh, for sure we're going to pull this out. There's no way we can lose this game, you know. Mm. Yeah, it's one of those situations that – I was saying, Barney, when you tell you, Steve, you mentioned about the World Juniors, and I was coaching. Um, we we were playing Finland in the semifinals. We outshot them thirty-nine to sixteen, and then lost. Uh, and it was it was brutal. And you know, I lost with with Acadia. We played in the national final in Saskatoon against UNB that year. But you know, no disrespect to those teams, but this, if I could just take one game of my life and do it over again, it would be this, it would be this game with this team. And it's not like I didn't want to win at Acadia that year, but we just put so much into it. It was crazy. So yeah, you have those moments at times where you start shaking, watching a team on TV, going through the same thing. Your, your resume speaks for itself. Just, you know, the coaching that you've done, when you look back, if you get it, you know, if you watch that game or if you get a chance to watch that game, what adjustments would you make? Yeah, it, 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 it's kind of funny because I, I don't really know. I just know, and you know what, it, it takes sometimes a little bit of humility to say what I'm going to say. It took me off guard. I, I just, it, it really took me off guard. It, it just, you know, we just played them, what, three days before and pounded them. And, 
you know, it was, we were the team that was sort of had the defensive posture and they were high flying and, and, and opening up holes and, and they would have had to have completely reconstructed their game. So I look back and, you know, I, I think that, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say I felt panic, but, but I did. I felt, I felt out of sorts in that particular game. And maybe it was just the magnitude of the game. Maybe it was what it meant. And uh, so I, I don't know if I could pinpoint it. I can just say with tremendous humility that I, I was taken off guard at some point in that game. It might've been after one of the periods or when it became two nothing. And um, yeah, it's something that, you know, you, you live with and uh, you, you wish you had a do over. Do you ever, do you, do you talk to your, uh, your guys when you coach them and, and whatnot, Trev, uh, you know, do you go through it uh, at all? You know, um, a bit, and I'll touch on a couple of things. One, you know, when we did go to the Royal Bank cup and it was 14, 15, uh, we had a, a great team and really just kind of drawn on the experiences I'd had as a player, you know, for sure. And what to expect. And, it really wasn't in much different. It was, you know, same kind of schedule. And, and so I guess being a player really helped in that situation as a coach. Um, but uh, yeah, no, the, the biggest part of it is, is, you know, with this group that we had, you know, I, I took a lot away from like, I didn't play really good hockey after the fact, you know, I played some senior, I had a little stint with the Huskies, but that was it. And, um, I would say 90% of my coaching comes from this group and what we were. Uh, it was Dick, Kevin as a coach, Blainer as an assistant coach, uh, was phenomenal, you know, and, and, and there's the, come the team that we had, the chemistry, and I know it's cliche, but we had, like, it was, everyone had each other's back and it was like, do or die and we were so prepared for every game because of the coaching we had and and we just knew that when we stepped on the ice we were ready and we were confident and and really I, I take all of that like for instance like we don't have rookie players all first year players we, we we treated all the guys equal everyone was equal and gone along and it's so huge there was no cancers in the room and I just always look back to that team and what we had and it was special. And I try and bring that into my, my team every year, those values and principles and what we did. Do you guys, have you guys gotten together as a big group, you know, in the years since? And, and what was that like? <laughs> yeah, we had a couple of things. We had, uh, we had a really neat Zoom call here through COVID. I don't know, guys would have probably been maybe a year ago, not quite maybe. Uh, but we had everybody, I think, except for two guys on the call, and uh, we could have gone on all night. And um, so that was awesome. And the other thing we did is when our team got inducted into the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League Hall of Fame, uh, I think we had everybody back, but two or three guys that time too. And uh, I mean, that weekend was just a blur. It was just just so fun. Nobody slapped. Nobody took advantage of every hour that was available. And uh, and you know, you you hear this stuff, and Bloods used the word cliche. Maybe it is cliche, but it was like it was like we were apart for years, and we got back together, and it was the same thing. It was the same story, same people you know, jabbing each other the same way. And uh, I think that's what happens when you build that bond and that sort of that winning atmosphere. Yeah, we still went to Saskatoon and had fun the night before too, just like we had to 
back in the old days. <laughs> yeah. We got one good night in Saskatoon. Dix wasn't invited to the Saskatoon night. No, yeah. no. no. I, I, I learned a lot after I left the program of maybe some things that did. And you know what? You should know Barney. I mean, you played and I played and stuff. There's a lot of stuff coaches didn't quite know about what us players were doing. And and I was on the other end of it as a coach too. But uh, great, great guys. At the end of the day, they they were an unbelievable group to work with. No, just a quick, quick story. We're due for a Saskatoon trip, and not nobody nobody wants to go ask Dix. So we're sitting around the room, and it might have been—I don't know if it was Sunsy or somebody says Stevie, Stevie, like go go ask Dix if we can go to Saskatoon. Go ask him for us. I'm like, oh fuck, like. <laughs> so I walk into Dix's office, say, Dix, like, like the boys want to go out, like we got to go to Saskatoon. Stevie. Christmas is three weeks away. Can they not wait? <laughs> I think we went anyways. <laughs> I think we decided you were, yeah, no, for sure. That yeah. was good. Well, most times if we had a weekend off, Dix would make us. He's like, all right, you guys want to have fun, go off some steam, but get out of town. Get out of Malfort. We'd all go to Saskatoon. I think we went to Regina once, but it was Saskatoon. And uh, it's always a lot of fun. We'd come back and Dix would work it out of us. The best story, and I shared this when we had our Zoom call, but it's not even close. I mean, it's something it's surreal. Um, so we we just lost to Vernon in the final, and Dale Fryer and Randy Sorensen came down to the coach's office, and they said, you know, just give us a hug and how we're doing and stuff like that. And they said, listen, a couple of us are going over to the curling rink here after the game. It's going to be a really small thing, you know, just going to be the board and the vol a couple of volunteers. And, you know, if you could get the guys over there, we'd sure appreciate it, but please come together as a team. And honest to goodness, honestly, I told the guys, we got to go over and make an appearance. We owe these people that put the tournament on and we expected there to be about 40 people there. There were 600 people that were waiting for us and they literally all stood and, and, and clapped and cheered. And it really made a very difficult night. I don't know if it made it any better, but it took the edge off for a few hours. And that I don't know if would ever be replicated in any other community. And, you know, the last thing I'll say to Barney, because I, you know, when Andy's down in Minnesota, that's sort of, the, or, you know, when he was, you know, with Minnesota being the hockey hotbed of the States and, you know, barks out around the Cochrane area. But I'm out here in Nova Scotia and take so much pride in hockey in Saskatchewan. You know, people, they yeah, you have to be where we are so far away to understand the esteem that, that Saskatchewan hockey's held in. It's just at a whole different level. And, you know, I take a look at this show that you guys have been doing and I've become kind of a disciple and follow it. And it's such a neat vibe. And uh, yeah, that was, that was what I remember about Melford. It's just the the following we had and uh, just, I, I don't think you can replicate that any other place in Canada. I'm going to be real honest with you. I agree with Dix. I mean, it's just a special place to play junior hockey, you know, and uh, from the billets to the fans, the businesses in town and, you know, all the people in that area that supported us and, you know, really be, you know, getting on buses and coming to Estevan to watch us play and, you know, doing the South trip and everything about it, you know, it was real special. It was, you know, the most fun I've had playing hockey in my life. And we didn't have a day where you didn't get out of bed and just was excited to get to the rink to see your buddies and, you know, beat the shit out of some other team that thought they were 
as good as us. You know, the, the crazy thing with Melford is it's still the same way. You can go back there, whether it's fall camp or spring camp now, and you walk into the rink and you, yeah, you recognize the face. You maybe lost the name. They come up to you and they're talking and yeah, it's, it's still the same way. And, uh, you know, they'll bring back stories from 96 or you can talk about the team from 14 or you can talk about this year's team. And they're quite an invested community into that hockey club. And it's, uh, it's truly unique because it's something that you don't see in, in every community and, uh, the support around it is insane. One thing I, I should have touched on before, you know, the guys we had there this year and, you know, running a business now and, you know, Trevor talks about building his teams like 96. I build my business the same way. You bring in those guys, those role players, those guys that do the, do the certain jobs or, or really maybe even don't care what they do, but they're those, those players or those, uh, those workers. And it is just the key to success it works so well and uh, it has nothing to do with hockey. It's just something we learned back then, but it still holds true now. It doesn't matter where you are. Colin, your uh, your last thoughts, besides the fact that I'm sure Sissons has really rubbed it in over the years, uh, whenever, yeah. he, whenever he wants to he trump knows. in. He knows we were better, so he doesn't say that much. But I, I, it's the guys. I mean, I still, best friends in my entire life were made in those two years. And I think part of that is, is being in such a small community you don't, you know, you don't have, we're not going to different schools or we're not, you know, you're not running in different circles. You had each other and that was about it. You know, the movie theater, you get a new movie once a week or once, what was it? Once a month. And so the first day that movie came out, the whole team was there waiting outside. <laughs> and, um, just the little things, the trips to Saskatoon and the, you know, the, the Tisdale rodeo, which I think was in between uh, Royal Bank cup and the Annavette cup um, where we probably almost gave him a heart attack, but um, just so many fun, fun, stupid stories with this group of guys that you'll never forget. And uh, and I'm sure all junior teams have that, but this group really had each other's back, and and we we were so close, close knit that um, anything that happened on the ice or off the ice, you, you knew you could count on each other. So, pretty special group. You're the local guy. Blevs, now the head coach and GM. Why don't uh, Why don't you close it out? What are your final thoughts on the, on this team from '95-'96? Well, I don't want to be repetitive, but I mean, it's uh, you know, like like Travis said, it just the support's still great. We get 800 to 1200 to 1300 fans a night, and that hasn't changed not since back then. I mean, the corporate support and all the volunteers and the fans, everyone's just always on board. And we, we do a great job in the community supporting it. And that's why it's a successful program. And I can honestly say like, there's been a two or three players in my seven years of coaching that have, you know, asked for a trade out and, and that's a pretty good track record and really had nothing to do with the team or how things were in the community. It was just their own personal situations. And, uh, you know, it's a full credit to what goes on there in the program. You know, I'm a small cog in the wheel, but it's uh, everyone involved does a great job still and um, the board of directors and everyone. So, you know, for me, that's, uh, you know, and you also in the second point of this is just to think back to what the group is and what it was. And I truly mean it. It's, it's what you build your life off of. And I, I think back to the quality of people that we have or had back then and, and what they did. And that's what I've done in, in Melford as a coach. And that's really in a nutshell, surround yourself with good people. 
I, I owe a lot to you, Kevin. You are the guy that I go off of for everything, like video preparation, you know, how you treat your players, communication. Um, I really um, thank you very much, Kevin, for everything you've done for me. Yeah, well, you know what? It was funny you you, you teed it up with Blevs because I was actually going to jump in, Barney, without knowing that that was even going to happen. But the the cool thing that that happened when we went back that weekend in Melfort for the reunion is we're all alumni now. I mean, Stevie's director of player personnel or whatever the title is. And, you know, Blevs is running the show and he's taking it to a whole different level, like eventually going to win the big one. But in the meantime, I mean, the success has been unbelievable. And what was really cool about that weekend, Barney, is how proud we were of the team now, like how proud we were of what Blevs was doing. Like, you know, it's taken the coaching to a whole different level. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's symbiotic. We're all happy and we're really happy with how each other are doing. And uh, yeah, I think I, the guys talked about having each other's backs back then. But, you know, I, I think we find as years go on and stuff like that, there have been some things that have come up. Like, I don't think there's any question that Blevs knows that I'm there for him. And then other guys have felt the same way throughout the years. So it, it, it's it's really this is really nice that we did this tonight Barney I appreciate it a lot I still can't believe they lost that final game to Vernon what a great story and I'm so thankful those guys hopped on to chat on a summer night I hope I painted a decent picture of the team and tournament throughout all this do you have an interesting story from a team from the past well shoot me a dm at sticks and gas and I'll try and research it and maybe put it into one of these sticks and gas podcasts or me and the fellas can chat about it on the Monday Nooner. Thanks to the local gems that back me. 22 Fresh, Kip Simon, Great Western Brewing, brewed right here on the prairies. Your hockey team should be in their uh, team deal this winter, right, if they aren't already. Elk Ridge Resort, the premier four-season resort in beautiful northern Saskatchewan. I'm Barney Shankarook. Thanks for listening to the Sticks and Gas podcast, and I hope you enjoyed it.